I don't want the food stamps for a few reasons. I don't want folks to get complacent. That was one of the reasons why I liked Trump being in office is because folks knew nothing was coming. Folks knew nothing was coming. And so what they had to do, they had to get it on their own. And we're all more than capable of getting it our own. And so what we did is we sat around waiting for Biden to get elected so we can get some stuff. Ain't got no stuff. And now we just wasted two years waiting on Joe Biden. Like, you don't think that's crazy? That's crazy to me. It's not going to be me. It can be y'all. It's not going to be me. I'm not celebrating the $3. And if we put it into perspective, it's $3. And folks are going to celebrate $3 because they don't have to do anything for it. A lot of folks don't want to do anything. They just want that something for nothing. They want the free lunch. They want the easy handout. They want the EBT. I'm not I'm not satisfied with the EBT. I don't want my community to be an EBT-ass community. Ooh, we should not be an EBT-ass community. I like that. Tweet Talk episode 132. Are we on the what it sounds like to be the best This is a Black Wealth Podcast Build wealth, invest, own, and close the wealth gap It's time to break down these financial concepts with your host Mr. Todd Meganer himself, Charles Oglesby, and Raphael Husband Man, shout out to our newest Patreon, Andrew We definitely appreciate the support Man, we out here building up our Patreon, building up our um, exclusive audience of people who invest in what we got going on, people who get um, episodes early, people who get shouted out on the podcast, people who can get their brand shared in the podcast as well. So it's like free marketing for your brands. If you got a brand, you might as well invest in the Sweet Talk podcast so we can shout out your brand so you can get more sales, so you can get more business. It's an investment. Mm. Everything you invest in us, we're going to give you back. So quick shout out to all of our Patreons as soon as I find out where my list is again. <laughs> Andrew Bolton is our newest Patreon. Shout out to Andrew Bolton. This episode is going to be uh, sponsored by Andrew Bolton. So make sure you guys check him out. And also, we got Marcus Barton, who supports a lot of the things that we do. Byron Mason, Shonda Richardson, she supports a lot of the things that we do. William Manley, James Bates, Keenan Hastings, Kenny Adams, and of course, the Heart Zogs. So make sure y'all support everything the Heart Zogs are going on. Follow them at the Heart Trimony. Man. If you have not taken the cleaning course, take the cleaning course. A lot of the people that are in the mastermind have started their own cleaning business and are finding success in the cleaning business. So if you're somebody who wants to get into the cleaning business um, where there's an abundance of opportunity because there's an abundance of homes, we could legit start a cleaning company around here. And we should because you know what? These cleaning companies don't be cleaning, fam. I had to go out this morning and clean out my base, clean out all the, the stuff on my window sills. I had to clean my front door because it's a lot of wind and dust around here because they're still building new homes. And so there's still like dirt fields across the way. I got to clean that. I'm like, man, I need somebody who's going to make sure my entire house is clean, not just knock out the bathrooms, vacuum the floors, mop the floors and be out. Like, that's cool. But if I'm hiring a cleaner, I need you to clean the whole house, fam. The whole house. The entire house. The entire house. Welcome to Tweet Talk. Here we discuss about wealth and Break down these financial tweets. I am your host, Raphael Husbands, aka Raph Millie, along with my co host, Charles Oglesby III, JD, aka Todd Billionaire. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Man, you hitting the, the links every day now, Charles. Yeah, it's a, it's a, um, it's, you gotta make a commitment. 
I'm trying to become a scratch golfer and I needed a, I needed a new goal. One thing about me is I have this weird personality where I don't do anything halfway. I do everything all the way. So like if I'm a, if I'm into something, I tend to be obsessed with that thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I'm that way. I just know that I am that way. And my wife knows that I'm that way. She just knows that like whatever I do, I do it a lot. So I'm not going to just like golf here and there. If I'm golfing, we golfing, fam. And then I made a commitment to just get out there every day because I can improve every day. Um, investing in my craft. So I just got some new golf clubs. They cost about $1,200 because now golf clubs cost too much damn money. You used to be able to get a good set of golf clubs for like 600 bucks. 600 bucks was a good set of golf clubs. So much so that the set that I bought before, the set that I'm using now, I paid 400 bucks for that set. I paid $400 for that set of clubs. And you used to be able to get a good driver for like 300 bucks. Now they're like 600 bucks. Everything in America has doubled in price. And they're on TV talking about 10% inflation. And it makes no sense. And they don't tell you the truth because they don't want to cause panic. So people are like, oh, they're going to announce a recession. They're going to announce a recession. They didn't even announce the last recession. They didn't <laughs> call it a recession until later on. Or if they did call it a recession, it wasn't even a recession. The last recession we went through was a depression, like you said. A, a recession is when your neighbor loses your job, their job, and a depression is when you lose your job. And a lot of folks are losing their jobs. We were in a depression last time, and they called it a recession. Now we're in a quasi-recession, and they ain't calling it nothing. <laughs> they call it blaming on Putin. Pretty much. And Putin didn't do do this. If anything, China did it. If anything, China did a lot of these these issues that we're facing in America. China is a large part of the reason why that has been happening. Um, I'm going to call it like I call it, man. Um, what's interesting is like when I was in downtown LA, you could never buy, uh, you can never find a place to buy in, in, in downtown LA, which is so expensive. But who was buying there? Asian folks. And they bring their communist money over to America. You know what communism is? It's essentially a, redis- it's a distribution of wealth. So if your overall economy does well, everyone does well. Whereas in America, where you have a capitalist society, if the overall economy does well, then a few people do well. And so as China does better economically by stealing your jobs, by stealing your businesses, by doing all these different things, they can give the people more money. And so the people are wealthier and it's not because they're out there grinding and hustling, although they do be grinding and hustling because they come out in America and they beat us like crazy. But I still believe that there's some sort of a system whereby the government gives them a certain amount of money, especially if they move to America, where they benefit economically and financially so much so that they're doing better than people who are having to get it out of the mud. It's very easy to grind it out when your parents got bread. It's very difficult to grind it out when you get it out the mud. And I was thinking about this today because I'm over here like, man, what's the next step for my company? I'm thinking my company is to go from being like courses and education to actually get into the certified financial planning business model or to get into the actually being like a financial advisor model. And so going through the certifications, doing all those different things and building up my book of business. And I was thinking it's going to be so much easier for me to build up a book of business now that I don't need the money. But mm. when I was like, when I needed that money and I was desperate and I was frustrated and I was ugly and I was driving around a car and I could barely afford to do anything, wasn't really motivated. Like it was difficult to build a book of business from nothing. But when you have something, you can try more things. When you have money, you can offer a bunch of things to you. It's less pressure. You're not really concerned with, are they going to say yes? Are they going to say no? So if you're not concerned with that, you can make more offers because you're less afraid of the rejection. Like the rejection's like, all right, all right, cool. We're still going to eat. 
But if like you eating is based on that rejection, you're less inclined to put yourself out there and get rejected because now it's like, man, I can't eat. I can't eat. They're saying no. And so I have a feeling that I could build up a much larger book of business based on what I've experienced education wise, based off of what I've experienced, just experience wise, and also based off what I've accomplished. Because another thing is it's very difficult to manage wealth when you ain't got no money. When you out there broke talking to folks with big money, <laughs> very difficult to be like, I can help you manage your money. Yeah, I'm broken. I ain't got nothing. I'm just over here trying to pay my bills. But let me help you manage a quarter million dollars. I got you. We're going to figure this out. Right, right. And when you, when you need every sale to, to happen to pay the bills, man, people could smell the desperation on you. Right. Right. And they don't want to do they don't want to give their hard earned money to somebody who's desperate, who they can kind of tell doesn't have any money. But you show up to the meeting with a Rolex and some golf clothes, confident in yourself, you're gonna be able to get whatever you want. But if you show up and you look like you're trying to do too much, like you're trying to be something that you aren't, it's gonna be difficult. So that's why I think that I could I could do this. And a lot of people want that. Um so that's kind of what I'm looking to do while we while we get these sales. Gum road money. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, folks, at Tweet Talk Pod. That's Tweet Talk P O D. Follow myself, Raphael, on Twitter at Work Money Life. Follow Charles on Twitter at Real Todd Billion, because he's the only one. So, Charles, you you had a tweet where you said other communities don't work together to make less money; they do it because you make more together. Man, um, I watch a lot, a lot. A lot of golf YouTube, a lot of golf YouTube. Golf. And there's this company that um, what's really cool about them is they're building like I've been seeing like a lot of people are building their own private like golf brands. So somebody's they're selling some joggers, somebody's mm-hmm. selling polos, somebody's selling hats. And so I was watching these dudes a long time ago. They created like this vlog when they were going out to sign a professional golfer to their um, to their golf jogger company brand. And it was like, we're going out here to sign them to our company. It was like maybe three or four guys. I didn't really think anything of it. And then there's another company called Good Good. And I got exposed to Good Good after I kind of saw these dudes called Dude Perfect. And so Dude Perfect, they did like this driver challenge where they were like going against Rory McIlroy, trying to see who had the longest drive with a new stealth driver. And it was like four or five guys all out there playing golf. And they're like, this is our company um do perfect whatever they do they make a bunch of youtube content and then i saw a company called good good and they have a bunch of youtube content where they created this brand of like golf golf polos that i haven't bought yet because they had one that i really liked but i haven't seen it on their website but other than that they're just like general golf polos and i kind of like my golf polos actually say the name of the golf course because it's more prestigious to rock a golf shirt with that says golf club you know i'm saying golf is a very prestigious sport you get prestigious by playing the sport and that's why I like playing golf. Like people look at golf as though you're already prestigious. So it's part fun, part status. And then the other thing is like, there's like four or five guys out there and they're all talking about, this is our company. This is our company. This is what we're doing. And I thought it was very interesting because I kept seeing groups of white dudes building a company. And then I was listening to um, the Breakfast Club podcast. Ernie Leisure was on there and they were talking to DJ Envy and he made a point. It was like in the Jewish community, when somebody starts a restaurant, everybody in that in that community supports that restaurant, line around the block, supporting that restaurant. They said whether the food is good or bad, whether the service is good or bad, they're showing up for at least that first three months, knowing that if his business does well, his family's going to do well. And if his family's doing well, they're better for the community. There's more money in that community. And so I started thinking, 
And I was like, you, when you work together with other people, you can build something bigger. And if you have a piece of something bigger, you make more money by default. But a lot of us come from the individualistic mentality mm-hmm. where we work a job and on the job, you can only get paid for your efforts on the job. You can only grow if you grow. You can only get promoted if they promote you, not promote your team. And so we take that into business. We take that individual perspective into business and somebody presents you with an opportunity to partner you're like, nah, I'm gonna do it on my own. Nah, I'm gonna do it on my own. And you and you get this a lot when you run into like other ambitious alpha type dudes. Ambitious off alpha type guys don't wanna they wanna run alone. They think they don't need a pack, they need to run alone. But the alpha still got a pack. The alpha wolf still has a pack of wolves behind him. He's not just like, I'm an alpha, I'm out here by myself. No. Alphas need a support supporting cast. And so essentially what I'm saying is that we see it all the time. And it's not just in golf brands. When they start these tech companies, it's a bunch of folks. Apple wasn't just started by Steve Jobs. He had Wozniak, who actually did more of the creation than Steve Jobs did. Steve Jobs just had the vision. He had a bunch of other people who were behind him. Facebook, a bunch of other people who were behind him. We only see the individual at the top, but there's always a group of people pushing that ahead. So if you move as an individual you're going to play small by default because you can't do everything. You can't see everything. You can't be all things to all people. I find more success when my project involves other people. And so I just took that from the other communities that I watch. I don't just look at the black community and say, this is what we got to do. No, I look at successful communities, figure out what they're doing, and then bring it back to my people. So this is me bringing back a successful principle to my people. It's up to you guys to set aside your conventional wisdom and your conventional uh, knowledge and your dogma and understand that what I'm telling you is going to help us get to the next level. All of us are doing dope things. And if we collaborate, we're only going to do bigger things. The reason why I was able to do what I did in 2020 is because I had a collaboration with Chris. The reason why Chris was able to grow bigger is because he had a collaboration with me. Chris makes more money than me now, but it's off of a principle that I introduced him to. And so now that they have the well squad, the well squad has grown, but the well squad is the options community so much. So, that the admins from the options community serve as admins in the well squad. The biggest draw to the well squad is options trading. It's not whatever else they're talking there, it's options trading. And so we gotta work together and we gotta grow bigger because granted it's doing a lot right now, but what could it do if I was still on board? What could it do if you still had that? Because there's a lot of folks out there who might know things, but they don't, they're not me. They're not creating a podcast on a Saturday morning. They're not creating a podcast all these times. They're not out here doing things multiple times a day. They're not sending 20 texts or 22 today. They're not posting on Instagram 10 times a day. They're not doing all these things. I do that. I do that. And so I bring something to the table. I might not, like my friend with who, who raps, it's like I bring a piece to the table that could take your brand off, but I'm not going to rap. You got to bring the rap to the table. And so we got to realize mm-hmm. we all bring things to the table. And that was another thing that I tweeted or that I included in that tweet is when a white dude says, hey, I'm going to start a golf company. One guy's like, great, I'm going to handle the marketing. I'm going to handle the social media. I'm going to make sure that we get influencers. I'm going to make sure we do this. And you bring it all together and you blow something up. It's kind of like a golf scramble. I was watching on YouTube last night. There was a golf scramble. And for those who know what a golf scramble is, essentially a golf scramble is when you play best ball. And what they do is they'll play teams. And so they'll play like, I saw it was like four high school golfers and four pro golfers, and they played a scramble. So the way a scramble works is you everybody hits their drive. You pick the best drive out of that drive, and that's what you play off. Everybody hits their wedge. You pick the best wedge out of that, and that's what you play off. Everybody picks their putt, 
everybody puts and you pick the best putt, the putt that goes in, that's your score for the whole. And that's what an illustration of business when you do it as a group. My drive might be over here, but my wedge might be solid. Your wedge might be terrible, but your putt game might be solid. And so you get a better score because you get to play to other people's strengths. So the best drivers like going to be the best drive that we play off. I'm not playing out of the out of the trees. We played off of the best drive. One person saved us, and now we're playing off of the best wedge. One person might be terrible at driving. There's a dude who was terrible at driving. He couldn't. He was hitting the trees and all this stuff, <laughs> and then he was wedging it right to where it needed to be. Another dude couldn't hit either of those shots, but he was putting it on par, like just knocking it out of the park. And so a lot of times when we do business, is we're like, well, that's your shot. You in the trees, make do. Not like, oh, man, like I'm on the fairway and you're great at this next shot. So you hit this next shot. And then what happens is we get a better score overall. Right. Overall. And sometimes one person might be carrying the whole thing. There's one hole where the dude, he birded it himself. He hit the best drive. He hit the best wedge. He hit the best putt. And that might happen sometimes. But a lot of times mm-hmm. what happens in that community is just like, man, I don't need y'all. I could do this myself. Next hole he out there over here. Next wedge he out there off the green. So even if you're doing well, you still need people. You cannot get away from the need of needed people. And that's all I want us to understand is teamwork. If we can understand teamwork, we can't lose. Just like Kevin Hart said, it's scary what we can accomplish if we all work together. It's scary what we can accomplish if all these dope brands just built one big-ass brand that we could take public. You know what big-ass brands that go public do, Raphael? They change entire communities. Mm-hmm. Change entire communities. Why is Detroit the way it is? Because Ford. Why is Silicon Valley the way it is? Because of Facebook and Apple. All the other companies that come underneath them get to kind of benefit from what Facebook and Apple created. They don't create that ecosystem. They don't create that environment, but they created an environment where other companies can come and now build and thrive there in Silicon Valley. So the bigger the company that we can build, now we're creating an environment for other companies to do dope things. So you have a black wall street black wall street wasn't everybody coming together it was one person who came in there and he built a hotel and that hotel allowed everybody else to build so the problem is we're not building anything substantial we're just building a bunch of small shit. therefore we can't make that big enough dent that allows other people to grow we're just all competing on the same line but the way you get there is by working together it's scary what we can accomplish if we work together if jay-z and kevin hart work together what could they accomplish if jay-z kevin hart dame dash Kanye West, all of them came together and built something. We're over here celebrating that they became a billionaire when there's folks out here worth $300 billion. We're out here right. celebrating that they're a billionaire when there's companies out here worth a trillion dollars. We be out here, like I said, competing to be the biggest loser. Jay-Z's a billionaire. He's the biggest black person out there. LeBron is the biggest black person out there. And he, there's average folks who live in average communities, average white dudes who never even know their name worth more than Jay-Z. Mm-hmm. And we're celebrating Jay-Z. Not that we shouldn't, but if that's our peak and that's who you have, you have to become the greatest rapper ever to hit that peak. That's a problem. Like Chris yeah. Rock said, Chris Rock said he lives in a neighborhood and in his neighborhood in New Jersey, he lives next to uh, Mary J. Blige, one of the greatest singers ever. He said he lives next to Jay-Z, one of the greatest rappers ever. He said his white next door neighbor is a dentist. <laughs> He said, we got to fly just to get some stuff they got to walk through. Why do we got to fly? Because we work on our own. If you work on your own, you're going to have to fly and do something outrageous. Teamwork allows other people to be average. You don't got to be LeBron to eat if you work with LeBron. 
Sure. Well, I work with LeBron. They want to be LeBron and beat LeBron. Funny thing is, now that you say that, we actually have at least one black billionaire in America who's worth more than any of them, any of the people that you just mentioned. I hardly anybody know his name, David Stewart. Second richest um, black person in America. He's worth probably three to four billion with a company called Worldwide Technology or something like that. Hardly anybody knows his name or what he looks like. And even the name of his company is not like outstanding. And he's worth more than these guys because he built a regular, well, it can't be a regular company if it's doing billions of dollars, but found a problem, created a service, and just stuck to it. And it's funny, I think like two episodes ago, you mentioned this, but we didn't really go into it. Or the, the Cambodian guy you were talking about. I don't think a lot of people know what you were talking about, but there there was a, a documentary that was on Netflix. I think it's on Hulu now. The Donut King. Guy came from Cambodia, went to California, probably was sleeping on the floor in the store, opened up a donut shop, and just start bringing his family over. You come over, you work for free, we build up this one shop, then we move on to the next shop, and then that's your shop. You build up that shop and move to the next one. And the thing just took off. That's why in California, you got all these donut shops run by Cambodians. Gotta get with the team. Now, you, you had a tweet. Now, I know it was based off the, J, the, the Jay-Z, Kevin Hart interview. You said, folks just want to be, well, actually... Jay-Z kind of said it. Folks just want to be the Burger King version of your McDonald's. Now, you've been talking about a long time about how people, we need to stop copying each other. Yeah, um, I like it just because he said it's like confirmation bias. <laughs> it's like, bro, I've been saying this for the longest time. A lot, of, a lot of people get on these interviews, on these big platforms, and say what I've been saying for the longest time. Um, and so I try to highlight it when I see it. Um, and, and, and that's just that, but I gave a talk in the mastermind on Saturday and I was telling people about divergent thinking versus convergent thinking and convergent thinking essentially states that you have all these random variables, but there can only be one answer or one solution. And we've kind of been taught to think along those lines. We've been taught to think along the lines of there can only be one solution to our problems. And so people will look at all the problems that black people are facing and they're like, there's one solution. And if your solution doesn't align with their solution, you're wrong. You're canceled. We don't want to hear what you have to say. You're an idiot. Right. All these names. Whereas divergent thinking engages in the thought that there can be multiple solutions to the same problem. The problem with convergent thinking is we shut down potential opportunities that could make sense. The problem with convergent thinking is that we could all be right. We could all be presenting ideas that could solve the problem. And the thing is, is we kind of put energy behind one and dismissed all the other ones. And so I share that because a lot of times what people do is they'll look at like what's going on in the internet and they'll look, use their convergent thinking, which was taught to us growing up. And one of the ways that we see it is in math problems. In math problems, there can only be one answer. There's one answer to your math problem. Two plus two is always gonna be four. Two times two is always gonna be four. And so we start thinking with this really narrow lens of problem solving when there's so many other opportunities out there. Why do I share this? I share this because when we're creating products, or we're creating services, we tend to just duplicate what we've already been seen because we think, oh, this is the only way that we can do it. And then we go out there and we try it and we don't try different things. And then we lose or we don't really make a, a, an impact. 
And then we just get frustrated and we quit. And then we just kick off the problem to the next generation. But if we engage in the actual thought of solving problems creatively, we could create better prop, better, better things, all that stuff. And so like when I'm in a situation where I see somebody and I do something and they copy it, I just move on to the next thing. I move on mm-hmm. to the next thing because I know that I live in a world of abundance where I can create whatever I want. And I'm just another idea away from, from striking fire. When I created the um, the whole idea of like investing as a group and I brought that kind of like to a lot of people and it got duplicated and people like came to my group and then left my group, started their own group. I was like, all right, what's the next thing? The next thing became what I'm doing now. Now that everybody's copying that, I'm like, okay, well, what's the next thing? I don't know what the next thing is just yet, but I think it's going to be something along the lines of software or something that's massively uh, massive. I like software. I like things like that, like taking an actual problem finding a way to solve it with a piece of software, with an app or something like that, that can be scaled infinitely because the software is just another digital product. And that's why these companies are worth so much more, so much money. So I say all that to say that I just liked it because he said what I've been saying for so long. And they're obviously seeing it at the next, at that, at that level too. I mean, we see it with rappers. Every rapper got an alcohol label. Everybody, every rapper has like an alcohol brand. Every rapper has a clothing brand. It's the same stuff over and over again. And uh, there's a few reasons why that's not an intelligent way to engage in business. And one of them is you cannibalize each other's business. So looking at the Jews who know that if your business is successful, you're better off. We don't take that approach. What we do is if you are successful, you're taking all the success. Therefore, I can't get any success. So I got to chop you down or I got to engage in the same business and cut my prices. I can take your clients. And we're actually doing the opposite. We're killing off our businesses instead of growing our businesses. We're seeing somebody who's doing well and we're killing them off as opposed to cheering them on, knowing that their success is going to create opportunities for other people. And this is why I'm so adamantly against the the whole strategy of Tony the Closer. Somebody posted something and she was talking about how like there's this white dude who um, was on like seventh heaven and apparently he was a pedophile. Mm-hmm. And I guess her response was like, it's interesting that they didn't get on the internet and publicly slander him and publicly tear him down. They did with them what they had to do with them and they put him aside. I said, but our community is different. We'll make a spectacle of you. Not realizing that when you bring down one black person, you bring down the value of all black people. And when you bring down the value of all black people, your, your community becomes to look down on, look, we dismiss our community and then we all end up losing. So an intelligent way of doing things is to handle private matters privately so you can still maintain the integrity of your community. So, for example, it's like I can't even get mad sometimes when I go into a store and I experience like some sort of racism where they're watching me, or they're scared of me or whatever, because I know right behind me is going to come so- come somebody who can prove them wrong for being skeptical. And so it's frustrating, but it is what it is. And so I would say that we have to be conscious of what we do because we don't realize like if you get on the internet and you call one credit repair person a scammer the entire industry gets looked at shady now anybody who's doing credit repair gets looked at as shady whereas Mm -hmm. in that post went like viral everybody has something to say everybody posted it everybody shared it instead of just saying like bro she did it wrong we don't agree with that but we're not going to put her on front street and continue to post it to make a point to talk about all these different things um, if it doesn't serve our community, if anything, it just degrades us even more. Now everybody's going to look at everybody in business as shady. And so we have to be, we have to be conscious of the image of our people. 
Yo, it's the Options Trading Workshop, presented by Tide Capital. Learn the fundamentals and advanced trading strategies that allow us the chance to earn $20,000 in side money in one year while working the job and running multiple businesses. That's right. Learn the what, the where, and the how of options trading in this exclusive webinar. To find out more details, hit us up on the link in the bio, on Instagram at Partner with Millie, or on Instagram at Todd.Capital, or just head over to gumroad.com forward slash Todd Capital. Todd Consultant presents the Vending Machine Business Webinar. You can only have one job, but you can have as many vending machines as you want. This is your chance to see how we do business and how you can start your very own vending machine business. Avoid the mistakes we made and start winning. You'll be shown how we find, negotiate, buy, and manage our vending machine business, generating thousands per month, and how it has unlimited scale. To find out more details, hit us up on the link in the bio, on Instagram at Partner with Millie, or on Instagram at Todd.Capital, or just head over to gumroad.com forward slash Todd Capital. And we have to do our best to improve the image of our people, to highlight the good things that we're doing and the negative things, we minimize them, we handle them, but we don't make them we don't make the bad things the image of our community. Yeah. That's true. And I'm back to the creativity. Uh, tip and copying each other it's interesting you were talking about building a golf brand earlier and it made me think immediately of um, these two black guys I believe they were college roommates and they created this brand called Eastside Golf but they didn't just create a brand where they just got some polos and some pants they decided we wanted to feel comfortable on the, on the golf course and be ourselves and their logo is a picture of a black man swinging a golf club, wearing sneaker, regular sneakers, and a gold chain swinging. And they didn't just do the regular thing. They didn't just copy every other golf brand. To the point to where they actually did a collaboration with um, Jordan sneakers, I believe. But it basically took a Jordan sneaker and stuck some golf cleats on it so you could wear them on the golf course. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, I mean, I don't like Jordans, but I still thought that was that was dope. And they're not only selling um, polos and pants and cleats; they're selling um, golf umbrellas and, surprisingly enough, artwork. They sell a piece of art, Batman on course. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. That's cool. And it was two brothers that came together to build one idea. Yeah. JD said some interesting things in that in that interview, and there was something you highlighted also when you're talking about you were saying that there's a big difference between knowing and doing, and that goes back to like the mastermind. And you were saying this is why debating what works with unsuccessful people is so difficult. They think they know everything, but the problem is they don't execute. Yeah, two things. The reason why I put that in the mastermind is because it'd be frustrating, man. They get all this information, but we're not executing on it. And so I'm just like, bro, like everybody knows what to do. We just don't do it. I know that I need to exercise. I know I need to eat better. I don't do it. The knowledge is there. And so it's just interesting for Jay-Z to say like the distance between knowing and doing, a lot of people think it's like this close and really it's like this far apart. Like we all know we're supposed to be do doing, but it's hard to do that stuff. It's hard to post. It's hard to show up. It's hard to do these things. Um, and then I want to say another reason why I posted it or in terms of like, like, so for example, like I have people in my family who they'll call you and you'd be like, you got to be doing this, 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 this. And like, they know what they need to do, 
They just don't do it. So they're not getting the success of doing it. So I'll tell people like you need to scale out of your business. You need to focus on acquisition of customers and not actually bringing in customers. That's going to help you grow your brand faster and make more money. They know it. And they, what they'll tell me is, I know, I know, I know. And they don't do it. <laughs> and so like, that's the reason why I share that is like people who are unsuccessful or people who are successful don't know more than the average person. The difference is they take action. And that's why I'm so big on action. Action is the actual function of doing something. Action is doing something. And that's why I'm always pushing take 10x actions because you can't make any progress unless you do things. You can have all the knowledge you want. Until you take action, you're not going to realize anything. With real estate, you can learn as much as you want. But as soon as you hop into that day, you're going to get presented with the issue you've never seen before in a book, never heard on the podcast. With options trading, you can take all the courses, but when you get out there in the real world, you're going to see something that you've never seen on, the, on, a, on a course you've never read in a book. That's just the way life works. What what separates those people is they continue to act despite the disappointments. They continue to do things despite the disappointments, and I think that's what's important. Yep, yep, yep. And it's funny, like you said, people know what to do, they just don't do it, but even beyond that, what what do you think it is that people it's one thing I think we all kind of know we all struggle with this where we know what to do and we don't do it, but what do you think it is that people push back? They don't it's not only just that they just don't do it. Sometimes people just push back, like I don't know. Uh I don't want to annoy people. What do you think that is? I think a part of it is fear of success. Um because success is different. Success requires change. And so people fear change, even if that change is going to benefit them. They know how to struggle. They know how to just get by. They figured out how to manage that. But they haven't yet figured out how to like how things are going to change for them once they get money. And so a lot of people fear success. For a lot of times, I feared success. But I knew I wanted success. And so what I realized I had to do was just like be comfortable with what happens. It's just a, it's just a, like it was like it was like jumping out of a plane. I was like, you know what? I want success. I'm tired of shooting myself in the foot. Let me just embrace whatever comes. And so I got out of my own way. And you have to get out of your own way because I think that that's what it is. I think people are just afraid of what life might look like. So for example, um, I saw this post and it was talking about people on like food stamps and how like there's this girl and I guess she was working a job and she got paid a little bit more money. And so they're going to take away her food stamps. And her sister was like, all right, well, how much are they paying you in food stamps a month? She was like, maybe like 250 bucks in food stamps. And so she said, how about instead of like finding a way to lose money so that you can still qualify for food stamps, you just find a way to make $250 extra per month. And she said that like, what's interesting is that system incentivizes you to stay small. That system incentivizes you to not make enough money because you don't want to lose your housing or you don't want to lose your uh, your free food. But what you have to do is you have to just embrace it and grow. And so that's why I tell a lot of people, like one of the best things my mom did for me was not let me get on food stamps. I was in college and I wasn't working a lot. I was barely getting by, man. I'm talking like you're working a part-time job in school. And when you're middle-class and you go to college, you don't get any money. If you're poor and you come from like lower circumstances and you go to college, what happens is they give you the money to pay for college and they give you the money that's over and above your college so you can have money to live off of. So when I was in college, I would see people get that tap, that refund check and it'd be like three to $5,000. They'd be out shopping, buying Jordans, buying TVs. Meanwhile, my check 
only pay for school. So the only actual, and they also had jobs. So the only actual like money that I had from college was when I was working my part-time job. I didn't get a refund check. So they got a refund check and they still work jobs. And so I was like, man, like I'm tired of struggling. I want to get some money. This is crazy. And I was like, you know what? If I just got some food stamps, then I can always have food. I always be good. My mom was like, no, nah, I don't get no food stamps, even though I probably could have qualified for them. And from then on, I've always kind of just despised the concept of the handout because I know that handouts keep you small. If I would have gone that route, I would have just continued to find ways to not be good enough, to not make enough money, to not do whatever. But because I had to take the opposite approach, I had to work multiple jobs. When I got hit with a wall and the job was paying me just enough to survive, I was like, I got to make some more money. And so I took another job, took another job. And if you guys have read the book, um, it's around here somewhere. It's like the Black Man's Guide to Making Money in America. One of the things he tells you to work three jobs. One job is going to pay your bills. One job is going to pay your bills. One job is going to allow you to have like a lifestyle. And the other job is going to allow you to actually start saving and investing. And so you stack your jobs, so you can stack your income. Whereas if you just work a job, we've looked at it. The mathematics behind your wages is survival. They figure out what's the lowest amount they can pay you. And that's what they pay you. So they're going to say, how much is rent? The person who owns your business or owns the job that you work for, he's friends with the landlords. He knows how much is rent, how much is food, how much is a car? Okay, we're going to pay you $40,000 a year. You'll be good. Okay, we're going to pay you $60,000 a year because you've been working hard. You'll be good. Now you make a little bit more money, you can take some trips. And so I realized like, bro, like these jobs are not going to let me get to that point until I get to be like 50. Because most folks in America don't really make $100,000 a year until they turn 50. But what happens when you turn 50? Now you're saving for retirement aggressively. So even still, they still don't really get to max out. And so that's what I would say is that like, those are the things that I was thinking of. <laughs> Yeah. Now, for this episode's segment of Black Billionaire <laughs> Banter, I'd like to bring up some news that came out last month where it said that the NFL um, announced that they were partnering with Contract with Black America Institute, an economic inclusion initiative led by artist and entrepreneur O'Shea Jackson, also known as Ice Cube. Yay, yay. It's like, it's pretty interesting says that the NFL has been working to increase economic equity and partnerships with Black-owned businesses. The partnership with Ice Cube CWBA will focus on identifying league-wide opportunities in the financial, tech, and production sectors with a concentration on increasing direct and indirect spending to national Black businesses to help close America's racial and economic wealth gap. Also says already the NFL has spent and allocated 125 million dollars with black-owned and operated businesses such as Ariel Investment, City City First, Broadway Bank, etc., etc. Thought that was interesting. I don't care. <laughs> Why don't you care? And some people are criti- using this news to criticize Jay Z. Um, one of the one of the best things that was said in that early leisure interview was something that I've been saying for a long time. And Rashad said that a lot of us are um, focused on investing when we need to be focused on building a business. And I've been saying that for so long. Why is it important to build a business? Why? Why is it important to build a business? Because a business will pay you more in one year than a job will pay in your entire life. And I know that because in one year, I made more money than I would have made in my entire life. If I'd have worked 30 years making $100,000, I mean, I made that in a year. And so 
Earn Your Leisure does numbers like that. Earn Your Leisure, I want to say they said like they have 11,000 people coming to InvestFest. 11,000 people coming to InvestFest at an average price of $500 a ticket is $5.5 million. $5.5 million. And that's just one event. And that doesn't include any of the money they make from their podcast through course sales and things like that. Any of the money that they make off of um, the vendors that are going to be there. Because they said they have like 250 vendors. And to be a vendor, it costs you $1,500. That's $375,000 just off of that. We would get so much further building a business than we would just investing. Because a lot of people are investing small money. And what happens when you build a business that's thriving is you get to invest larger. The biggest investors are business owners. The biggest real estate investors are business owners. So people always say like, oh, 90% of the millionaires are in real estate. Like, shut up, man. I'm tired of you saying that comment. I'm tired. I hate that comment because 99% of the Forbes lists are business owners. 99%, if not 100% of the Forbes lists are business owners. So we're talking Forbes list money or are we talking like millionaire on paper? Because a lot of those 90% of millionaires are millionaires on paper, meaning that these people out there who bought a home in Anaheim Hills, for $100,000 and now it's worth 1.2, they're a millionaire. And those are the people that we're counting, but that's not a real millionaire. A millionaire is somebody who can build a business. And so essentially what I'm saying is that I don't, we don't need no handouts. That's just another form of EBT, man. Like anything, I don't want nothing that comes to me for free. Like what's her name said? She said, your paycheck is food stamps. We're going to just start calling stuff food stamps. Anything that another company country gives to another company gives to us is food stamps. And we can't grow off of food stamps. And that's another reason why I don't care too much for it. I don't want NFL money. I want us to make our own money. I want us to have our own league. I want us to own our own teams. That's what I want. Because quite honestly, $150 million from the NFL is pennies. Pennies. And they wouldn't give it to you if it wasn't pennies. And so sometimes that, right. little, that, that nugget. And also $150 million for people who like, I don't know how many black people there are in America, but I'm pretty sure it's a lot. In my, I, how many black people are in America? Look. 300 million? 300 million people? Maybe I could be wrong. Check, look, look it up. No, I think that's that's definitely off. 41 million. But yeah, that's what I saw. 41 million. So 150 million. And we're like 15%. 41 million is $3. So the NFL basically <laughs> gave black folks $3 a piece. And we're going to celebrate that because we're looking at the big number. $3 a piece. Well... I don't mm-hmm. not only I don't I don't want the food stamps for a few reasons. I don't want folks to get complacent. That was one of the reasons why I liked Trump being in office is because folks knew nothing was coming. Folks knew nothing was coming. And so what they had to do, they had to get it on their own. And we're all more than capable of getting it on our own. And so what we did is we sat around waiting for Biden to get elected so we can get some stuff. Ain't got no stuff. And now we just wasted two years waiting on Joe Biden. Like, you don't think that's crazy? That's crazy to me. It's not going to be me. It can be y'all. It's not going to be me. I'm not celebrating the $3. And if we put it into perspective, it's $3. And folks are going to celebrate $3 because they don't have to do anything for it. A lot of folks don't want to do anything. They just want that something for nothing. They want the free lunch. They want the easy handout. They want the EBT. I'm not I'm not satisfied with the EBT. I don't want my community to be an EBT-ass community. Ooh, we should not be an EBT-ass community. I like that. Now, to segue... Um, oh, shout out to Black Business Click, Black, Black Business uh, Brunch is this upcoming weekend. We're going to be out there. We're getting on the flight Saturday morning. Um, so it's going to be exciting. Me and my mom are coming. 
Um, I think as a sponsor, which I am sponsoring, I think as a sponsor, I get a chance to speak. So I'm going to probably bring my mom up on stage, too, so she can pitch her business, too. And, uh, you know, it's going to be lit. That's what happens when you have a business. Oh, but uh, I was going to say, what you were saying about how business versus investing, business versus a job. Uh, and you mentioned also that by the time people are making 100000 on the job, they're pushing 50 or they're at 50 or they're in the 50s already. And it's crazy because then when you get that edge, you say you got to be investing aggressively and a different and the, the thing about the if you have a, a strong business even if you're if you, even if you're older let's say let's pretend that you'll be messed up with your money your whole life for 50 years and you got nothing for retirement no investments you're 50 years old you have you got a business and you grow it and it's paying you crazy money you don't necessarily even need traditional quote-unquote investments because what are you investing for anyway to pay to pay you an income when you're older the business can do that mm-hmm. there's something to think about you want both but because you want ownership assets but but that's what i was telling my mom because she's very she, she hit me up and she's like oh yeah we started this business 401k for you you need to be putting some money aside to save on taxes i was like honestly i'd rather invest somebody back into the business than it's my retirement like i would rather forego that intelligently invest in the business, grow the business larger than put money aside for retirement. Why? I was playing golf with this guy and um, he told me, I asked him what he did for a living. He was retired, of course. I played golf with a lot of retired folks and he was retired and he said like, oh, he started out as, as an engineer. And then what he did is he built up a, uh, a sales, like an electronic sales company, basically. And he said, yeah, business. He said, uh, what did he say? He told me, he's like, yeah, and it was good. He was like, but it's always good in business. You know that. And I was like, yeah, I know that. And um, and so what he did when he when he was done is he sold the business. So once you start learning that concept, where I've been reading a lot of books on, I think I read a book called The Private Equity Playbook. Right now I'm reading a book by Harvard Business Review called um, The Guide to Buying Small Businesses. And then also I listened to that podcast by Max Maxwell, where he talks about the exit strategy where you can sell your business as a for a multiple of the EBITDA. And so what you do when you're getting ready to sell your business is you increase the value of your EBITDA and you improve your systems so that you can just hand it off to somebody. And then what you're going to do is you're going to sell it for a multiple of the EBITDA. So whatever that number might be, you make it $2 million a year, they're going to cap it out of like four. Um, so now they're going to sell it at a four times multiple of your EBITDA. That's an $8 million exit. Most folks ain't retire with $8 million. Most folks probably retire with a, with a million dollars. Now, the beauty of this is while you're making $2 million a year, you're just paying off your homes. You're living debt free. You're doing all these really cool things. So you don't even need traditional retirement. Most folks that I know that need traditional requ- retirement don't have any assets. And they probably got some cash flow and assets in the process, too. Like Just because you leave the business doesn't mean you don't have other assets that are doing well for you. It doesn't mean you have dividend paying stuff that's doing well for you. And so I think that like traditional retirement in the 401k sense is for employees. It's not for entrepreneurs. Well, um, I would say, I think Robert Kiyosaki has an interesting concept that I saw a while ago. I haven't seen him say it recently, but he said everybody should have three plans for their money. Like there's a, like everybody has, whether they know or not, everybody has a plan for their money. He says, Poor people have a plan. Middle class people have a plan. And rich people have a plan. He said you should have all three. I don't know what the poor people think, but 
he was saying the middle class plan is putting money in investments like mutual funds for a one K stuff like that. He said he does that too. He's like, we put, he knows to put a lot in there percentage wise, but put something in there. But then he has, he puts most of his money into a rich people plan by assets that pay him cash flow. So it's something to think about. So, but, um, what was I going to say? So I thought what was very interesting listen to you is I was watching a video yesterday from uh, Myron Golden where he's talking about live rich now. If you want to, if you want to be rich, like live rich now. Don't wait for thirty years. But save your money. He said you're going to lose if you save your money in the bank, and you don't want to get rich slow. So he what he was saying was the way he was saying to to live rich now. He said there's there's a cash flow a cash flow version, and then there's a virtual version. He was saying the virtual version is you look at if you take a million dollars, people trying to accumulate a million dollars for what, so that they can live off like the interest. Like if you get a million dollars, and let's say you get income off at six percent, he said, what does that mean? That's like sixty thousand on a year, which is what five thousand a month. He said instead of Going at it that way, trying to save, save, save up a million dollars. Why not just get passive income of five thousand a month? He says it's the same equivalent. That's the business. <laughs> this guy, she wear a suit. But part two of that, um, that of black billionaire banter is Mel D. Hobson from Ariel Investments joined a group that's trying to buy the Denver Broncos. I'm not sure if it's official. Yeah, did buy it. I'm not sure if it is official though. Yeah. So that was interesting. Big news. We'll keep an eye on that one. Now, we're going to do one last tweet before we wrap it up. You get a good one. Although I wanted to ask you, what What did you mean when you said Larry June is the new Jay-Z? Oh, I was just talking. Sometimes I tweet things to stir up stir the pot. <laughs> I already think Larry June is the new Jay-Z, but interestingly enough, I got more agreement than I got disagreement. I was surprised by that. But yeah, I don't really think Larry June is the new Jay-Z, but I do. It's cool that Larry June is getting a lot of... Uh, a lot of notice and people are liking his stuff. I just, I'm just hoping he doesn't do what Wiz Khalifa did, man. What do you, you mean? Khalifa? I haven't seen him in a couple of years, like putting out music, but when Wiz Khalifa was independent, his music was great. It was raw. Mm. The lyrics were relatable. Um, it was just about like grinding and working and doing all that stuff. And then when he got signed and it became commercial, this was never really good anymore. And I kind of stopped being a fan. Like we used to look forward to Wiz Khalifa dropping albums, Cushion Orange Juice, all that stuff. And then when he went commercial, it kind of went downhill. Um, with currency, he's been independent. I want to say he got signed at one point in time, and then he went back independent. His independent stuff is is better. And another reason why it's better to be independent is you get more content from them. So like mm -hmm. when they when they start getting signed, you might get an album every two years because mm -hmm. that label has other artists they have to look out for that they want to clear the way for. And so as me being somebody who enjoys getting a new album every other month, once every three months or every month, sometimes these rappers are dropping albums, they're dropping through the pandemic. Like there's a lot of, a lot of artists held on to artists because or held, held on to their projects because they didn't want to release it during the pandemic. Meanwhile, Currency probably dropped like two, three albums during the pandemic and Larry June did the same thing. And that's why they've grown. And so I, I like I like that for my music artists because I look at them not just as like music, but also as like entrepreneurial inspiration. It's like, okay, this is how you do it. And that's why I'm like, bro, I need more courses. Just like currency's dropping albums, I'm be dropping courses. So I got this one and I already got one in the bag that I'm coming with that's gonna be fire too. And so I'm gonna just continue to drop course after course after course and just continue to push it out there. 
um, and start doing some in-person stuff. Um, so that's one of the things I'm going to be doing is I'm going to do an in-person options course in class. And I'm going to probably start teaching more stuff in person just locally. I got the office. I need to be using that thing because they'd be sending them invoices. So if I don't be using it, I'm basically just throwing it away. And so that's all I was saying is like, I don't, I just want Larry June to stay doing what he's doing now because it's working. Um, he just released a documentary that was super fire of his tour. Yeah. And it's like, it's just, it's cool to see the things that we can do without having a million dollar budget behind us. It's cool to see what we can create because we don't have a million dollar budget. So I need to see somebody who recorded a documentary and put it out on their own or who created their own clothing company and did it on their own or is collaborating with people to do these different things. Cause it's like, okay, I can do that. Okay. I can do that. I can implement that. I can copy that. But like, I can't copy getting signed. I can't copy getting LeBron checks. I can't copy that. So that's why it's not inspiration to me. And that's why a lot of these other rappers aren't really listened to. And I'm actually kind of trying to fade back from listening to rap anyway, because um, I need to just listen to more jazz as opposed to rap because you know, them lyrics are deadly. They are deadly. Now you, well, let's, you touched on this earlier. You had a tweet where you said, turn problems into solutions and then give you solutions names. Yeah. So I, I tweeted that because uh, we were giving a class on Saturday in the mastermind, join the mastermind, talkcapitalmastermind.com, where we were talking about um, how to create ideas for new products. And so I told them that the very first thing you need to do is you need to identify the dream outcome for your client. What does that dream outcome look like? Like really dream, not like I want to make more money or I want to get cash flow. It's like, well, what is that? What, why? Why do they want the cash flow? Why do they want the money? I want to be able to provide for my family. Why do you want to provide for your family? I don't want them to have to struggle like I did. I want them to be able to go to the best schools. I want them to be able to live a happy, healthy, safe life. That's your outcome. That's your dream outcome. When you get to the actual emotion behind the thing and not just the thing itself, now we're talking. And so then it was a matter of, all right, so now we've identified the dream outcome. Let's list all the problems that are going to get in the way of people achieving that dream outcome. I don't need time. I don't need money. It's going to take too long. I'm not sure if it's going to work out for me. All right. And now let's find solutions for those. How are we going to save you time? How are we going to make it easy on your pockets? How are we going to make it um, so that you can kind of ensure success? And then we're going to uh, we're going to give those solutions names. And so it was really like a product ideation idea. But also it goes back to all these situations that we have in the African-American community where, where we have these problems. We're not giving them solutions. And then we can start giving our solutions names. So that's what they do in like in the, in the law. They'll create a law and then they'll name the law. This is the Dream Act. This is the <laughs> Patriot Act. And so like, that's what we need to start doing is let's not just solve the problem or come up with these ideas. Let's also give it a name. Like this is going to solve your problem, but this is what we're calling it. And that's what the product is called. Got you, got you, got you. Well, sure folks, if you want to get more like this, but more in depth, more exclusive and be able to network with other people trying to do the same thing, be sure to join our Patreon, join our millionaire family, at moneyteamtc.com. Come rock with us behind the scenes. Get the stuff that everybody else doesn't get. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at TweetTalkPod. That's TweetTalkPod. Follow myself, Rafael, on Twitter at WorkMoneyLife. Follow my guy, Charles, on Twitter at RealToddBillion. Follow us on Instagram at TweetTalkPodcast. 
Follow Charles on Instagram at Todd Billion and follow the parent company at Todd.Capital. Follow us on TikTok at TweetTalkPod and at Todd.Capital. I'll leave you guys with one last tweet before we move out. We might touch we might touch on this again because this is a good one. Charles had a tweet where you said, as long as your business earns more per day than you spend per day, you're good. Episode 132 of Tweet Talk, the Backlog Podcast. I am your host, Rafael Husbands, along with my co-host, Charles Oglesby III, JD. We are out of here. Peace. Yes, this is Donald, the voice, the official podcast editor and producer of the Tweet Talk podcast featuring, of course, Charles Oglesby and the man Raphael Husbands. And look, man, if you just listen to this episode, then you know exactly what I'm capable of. You know my swag. You know what I can do. And so without any further ado, I kind of want to give you a special offer for Tweet Talk podcast episode listeners. And here's what it is. Head on over to DonaldTheVoice.com. And if you have podcasts or video editing needs, let's talk. And of course, I'm giving you a real, real nice deal. But you have to mention that you're a Tweet Talk podcast listener. And this offer isn't going to last forever. So if you're on social media or you have a business or you got something going on to where you need somebody to edit and produce your content, come and holla at your boy. And I promise to take care of you, our dedicated listener to the Tweet Talk podcast. Again, head over to DonaldTheVoice.com and hit the contact page and let's have a little conversation. Okay, back to your day, your evening, your morning, whatever's going on. Peace.